0: Well, several, uh, several years ago, Laura called me. I was away. I was out of town, and uh, she said that she had just received a phone call from our son Ty's cell phone, but it, it wasn't Ty that had called. It was some strange man on the other end of the phone, and he, uh, he called and said, hey, I found this phone, and I decided that it, probably the best thing to do was to call mom and just to let you know that I had it. I hope you're never in a situation like that. There, when you are, or if you ever are, there's, there's so many questions that, that kind of flood into your mind immediately. So many that I uh, began to ask Laura, like, did you ask if there was a 12-year-old attached to the phone by any chance? Like, is, is Ty around? I, I think I also remember asking, did you also ask, does he own a windowless van by any chance, right? Like this, this stranger that's calling. And, and it was this crazy thing, right, these questions that were flowing through. Ty was supposed to be at baseball practice, and, and after practice, one of his coaches was going to drop him off at home. And now we had no idea where he was, we had no idea if he was okay, and we had no way to contact him. And that's where we were in in this situation, right? And and I remember at that time, I remember thinking, I've watched entirely too many episodes of NCIS, right? Because all of the worst case scenarios started rolling through my mind of all the places that he could be and all the things that that could have happened in that case. And I remember Laura, she hung up the phone and and she quickly drove home. and, And about seven hours later, she called and it wasn't seven hours, it was like seven minutes, but it felt, when you're in a moment like that, right? It felt like seven hours, And she called and said, he's fine. He's home. The coach had dropped him off. He just forgot his phone at the park. But from our perspective, right, from our perspective, he was was lost. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt lost? You ever felt alone? Ever ever felt uh, isolated? Ever felt vulnerable? (laughs) I think one day um, our answer to that question will always be let me tell you about the year 2020, right? Like that's, that's just gonna be the universal response to a question of, of lostness and a question of, of, of loneliness because every single one of us experienced that this year. For some of us, it was just moments, right? And then that's the best case scenario, just moments of lostness, of feeling alone, of feeling vulnerable. For, for some of us, it was crippling, the things that we dealt with this past year. And the rest of us are somewhere in between on, on that spectrum right, of what it felt like to, to deal with that. 2021, it's a, a new calendar year. We're just a few days in, and it doesn't feel any different than last year, does it? See, so here's, my, here's my fear. Here, here's what I'm, I'm afraid of. That, that if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, that the lostness that we feel, that that's just gonna become part of the new normal for us. 2020 was a hard year for me personally. Uh, in 2019, I, uh, I had a role change here at, at Hope. I, uh, um, I left a team of people that I had become very, very close with. We, we spent a lot of time together, literally hours every single week in, in meetings together. Uh, we wrestled with and, and prayed through some big issues that we were dealing with at Hope. Some of them were good, most of them, most of them difficult challenges. Uh, we dreamt and, and we planned together that the future of where, where we felt God was leading us to go as a church we spent all kinds of time together as families. And we had dinners together. We had Christmas parties together. We, we had a retreat together with our families. I mean, we did life together. But a change needed to be made. And, and I was in two jobs at the time. I needed to focus on one. And the team the team really needed someone who, who could really focus in on that job. It was the right decision. But immediately in that moment, right, that every, overnight, everything, everything changed for me. Everything was gone. No longer meeting with, no longer seeing the people on that team on a, on a daily basis, right? No, no longer spending hours together, no longer, no longer praying and wrestling through issues together, no longer dreaming and, and planning for the future together. Our families didn't spend time together anymore. We weren't doing life together. I mean, they were still doing it, but, but I, I wasn't. And please hear me, I'm not bitter, right? I, I'm really not, but it, but it hurt. It really did because overnight, these relationships that I had for for years, right, they all of a sudden they just they just stopped. If I'm honest, it probably opened up some wounds that it kind of scarred over from my past. Some things that, that probably should have had stitches, or at the bare minimum, maybe even some minor surgery to repair them in the in the, in the past. But you know what? I, I didn't have time for those things. I didn't need anyone's help, right? That was the mentality that I had. That was the way that I lived my life. I think a lot of ways it was the way that I was raised that I'll just deal with this on my own. And the way that I typically deal with those kind of things is that I'll just dive back into distractions of more and more work. Sound familiar to anyone? So I spent the last six months of, of 2019 in a probably a mild depression. I didn't realize it at the time. I, I never went and got diagnosed anywhere. I just ate my way through those next six months. I, I put on a, a, a significant amount of weight. I, I slowly began to lose focus. I lost passion. And my, my patience got, got, got shorter. My, my temper and my fuse on my temper got, got shorter as well because I wasn't sharing it with anyone. And I was just trying to deal with it all by myself. And then 2020 hit, and then I realized that I needed help. I needed to begin to share stuff. And so I started to share stuff with some people that were around me, and then, and then quarantine hit. Now I'm an introvert, right? And so I, I was actually okay with the concept of going home and, and being by myself, right? That, that was actually something that excited me for a little while. I liked being by myself until I didn't like being by myself anymore. So even introverts got tired of being in quarantine and, and being isolated and being lonely. It was really only in the last few months that I recognized that, that I needed some help, that I began to open up with people. I, I probably need help that I have to pay for, but I'm too cheap to do that, right? And so I, I began to surround myself with some people and began to share and began to, to, be, to be real. People that would challenge me, people where it was okay for me to not be okay with them, right, where I didn't feel the pressure to be fixed all the time but people who loved me and cared about me too much to just, to just leave me there. I know some of you are thinking, Donna, you're a pastor. Aren't you supposed to have it all together? Yeah, sorry, we, we don't. Um, and if that's your expectation, then you're gonna be very disappointed uh, here at Hope. I know there's a lot of people that, that I've served with for the past year, year and a half, and, and multiple times there's a lot of you that you're thinking right now, you're thinking, Donnie, I asked you if you were okay and, and you kept pretending that everything was great. I did. That's my bad. It is, because it wasn't. And it wasn't you, it was just me. I wasn't ready to let people in and to share that with others. I know some of you that are thinking, you counseled me and it sounds like you were more screwed up than I was, right? That's also true. Um, that, that's true. That probably won't ever change. Uh, I just may see less people for counseling from now on because you're, you're probably just not going to trust me on that side. That's, that's probably wise. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt this way? I mean, have you ever, you ever felt lost? You ever felt alone, vulnerable, scared? Let me ask you another question. How do you handle it? what do you do when you're in that situation, when you're going through those emotions, when you feel that lostness? Let me ask you one more question. Who's your person? Do you have a few people? Do you have a small group of people that are gonna come alongside of you who are gonna care about you? They're gonna call you out on what's going on in your life. Maybe they'll let it go on for a little while, right? And give you a little bit of space, but eventually they're gonna love you too much to leave you there. Most of us have a lot of followers. We have thousands of followers on, on Facebook or on, on Instagram. Most of us spend a lot of time with a lot of people. We're surrounded by others. But if we're honest, most of us still struggle with feeling alone. We struggle with feeling lost. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 19. And just keep your finger there. I'm gonna come back to it in, in just a minute. But, but let me just say this. God never intended us for, for us to be alone, right? He never intended for us to be in isolation, for us to be in, in quarantine. In fact, it was just two chapters into the Bible when God called this out. He said, it is not good for man to be alone, right? Right from the very beginning, God said, this is not something that we should, we should do. We live right now in, in the greatest age of connectivity, right? That, that's ever existed in the world. The internet and, and with social media, right? It's made us possible for us to connect with anyone and, and everyone. And it really takes very little effort on our part. There's a guy that I used to work with and uh, I haven't talked to him in years, haven't seen him in years. We live actually about 2,500 miles apart. But because of, of Instagram, right, I know what he had for lunch yesterday. And that's weird, but, but that's normal for us. We're connected through social media, through Zoom conference calls, right? Online classes, uh, we're connected to people, but the latest sociological studies are showing that although we're, we're more connected than, than ever before in the history of the world, we also feel more alone and we feel more unknown than we've ever felt before. See, so somewhere along the line, we're more connected than we've ever been, and yet we, we're, we're missing out on real community in our lives. There's something that's broken. There's something that's missing. Something that every single one of us desperately, desperately needs. So let me ask you a question. What, what keeps us from significant relationships? Ecclesiastes 4, verse 8. Solomon, the wisest man to, to live in, in his time. He, he said this, there was a man all alone. See, all of us are, are surrounded, right? We're surrounded by people we're surrounded by crowds. Those of you that are here live, you're, you're surrounded by crowds of people, but it's so easy for us to still feel alone. Look at what Solomon said. He had neither son nor brother. He's actually not talking about biological family here. He's, he's literally talking about, we, this man had no one close enough to him that, that felt like family. There was no one in his life who really knew who he was. And look what happened when he was all alone. It says, there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. See, the things that he tried to substitute a real relationship with his job, his hobbies, the sports team that he followed, the gym that he went to, the bar that he hung out with, they didn't work. There, weren't, there was nothing significant enough about those things. He was not, he was not content. So I asked the question again why don't we have significant relationships? See, I think there's several reasons. I think there's also some excuses that we tend to hide behind. One, I think, is that we're, we're just self-sufficient. I, I don't really need it, right? I like doing things by myself, right? Like, I, I, I'm fine. I, I don't need help. from Some of us don't even know what it's like to ask or to receive help from other people because, because we see that as a sign of weakness, right? I'm tough. I don't need other people in my life. That was me. I can handle this. I, I can do this all, all by myself, we, uh, we moved a year ago uh, from, from Apex to the, the kind of the border of Holly Springs and, and Fuquay. And, um, and, and Laura, Laura said, okay, how, how are we gonna do this? I said, it's okay, I've got a plan. We're, we're gonna hire some movers to do the, the big heavy stuff and, and I'll take care of all the rest. And multiple times she said, why, why don't you ask someone for help? And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I've got this. One day my buddy Scott, showed up during lunch with about five guys from work. And, and they, they knocked out in 45 minutes what would have taken me days to probably to, to do by myself. But I was too stubborn to ask for help. I love the story of Muhammad Ali. Back when he was in his prime, he was, uh, he was traveling. He was flying on an airplane and the flight attendant came up to him and said, sir, you're gonna need to buckle your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant said to him, Superman don't need no airplane either. Buckle up, right? Like do up the seatbelt. We're so self-sufficient at times that we just refuse to let people help us. We refuse to let people in. We're surrounded by people, but we keep them them an arm's length away. Another one is our our personality. I know some of you are saying, yeah, well, here's why, because I'm an introvert, right? I'm not outgoing. It's awkward for me to talk to others. It's awkward for me to ask for help. It is just the way I am. I get that. I'm an introvert too. I'm I'm incredibly shy. Uh, In fact, growing up as kids, I used to have to make my sister go up to the counter at McDonald's and ask for ketchup for me. I would rather eat cold, dry fries, right? Than to go ask for ketchup. And I don't know why I was so scared of it. I had never had a bad experience. They never asked me a trivia question that I couldn't answer. I don't know what it was. That's why I love Chick-fil-A because they ask me, do you want sauce with that? I don't even have to speak, right? I just point. I'm like, just that, right? I, I love, I love, I love that. Some of us we hide behind our personality. But that doesn't remove the need for authentic relationships in our lives. Here's another one. We're just superficial. We stay at that superficial level just for far too long, right? We talk about sports, we talk about, we talk about weather, we talk about nail polish or, or gel. Ladies, I don't know if that's what you really talk about, but I've heard you use those terms before. I don't, know if I don't know if that's even a thing. But we find out all of our information about people on Facebook, right, on social media. It's so easy for us to, to post that our lives look so great, right? 45 selfies later from the right angle and with the right filter, we look incredible. We show all the highlights, but we never show the behind the scenes fights that happened before it superficial. For some of us, we've been superficial for so long. We just don't know how to go deeper with people. How about fear? This is one that I deal with. Can I really trust you with the mess in, in my life? I mean, there's some of you watching right now, some of you in this room. You have secrets that, that no one knows about. Your spouse doesn't know about it. Your closest friend doesn't know about it. Your mama doesn't even know about some of the things that you're dealing with. And the questions that are rolling around in your mind is, what would it look like if I was really real with someone? I mean, what, what would they think about me? What, what if they left? What, what could it possibly cost me in, in my family or in my job, in my reputation? Here's a problem with fear and, and worry, right? Is, is it gives us this weird, this fake feeling of self-control, right? That, that we're in control of things because we can put up barriers and we can put up walls and it feels like we've protected ourselves. But the problem is, is that really what's happening is it's just killing us slowly. Love the story of, uh, of three guys that finally, finally got to a place where they felt confident to, to share their, their secret stuff kind of with each other. And the first guy went first, he, he said, he said, my issues is with lust. And, and I've been looking at porn and I've got this addiction and, and I know that I need to stop. I, I, need, I need you guys to hold me accountable. I just need your help. And, and the second guy said, man, that, that's brave of you. Thank you for sharing that. He said, I'm, I'm gonna share mine. He said, mine is, mine is, uh, is um, gambling. He said, it started with the stock market and then it turned into like online poker and then fantasy football. And and now I've gotten our family into into so much debt, right? That I don't even know what to do about it. I need need you guys to hold me accountable. I I need your help with it. And the third guy said, man, guys, you you guys are so brave. Thank you for sharing that. My issue is gossip. And I can't wait to get out of here, right? (laughs) Some of you... Some of you are worried, you're like, what if I have that guy in my circle, right? Like that, that shares everything. Here, here's the secret, here's the answer to that. Just go last, right? If you just go last and you don't have to worry about that. But some of us are dealing with that. What happens if I trust and my trust is broken because, because it's happened to you before? Maybe from your parents, maybe a spouse or your kids, a close friend, someone, someone at work. It was part of my story. Two guys in particular, they were, they were as close as brothers. But they did things that, that, man, it broke my trust and it, and it made it so so hard for me to ever trust again. The result for me in my life, I've got lots of casual surface level friendships and I let very few people in to know the real me. It's hard, that's what I struggled with this past year. You know, this is too important for us to ignore. Here's the last one, busyness. Busyness is one of those ones, right, we've said, We've said, so, we've said yes to so many things that aren't important. They seem important to us. And the problem with that is that we have no room left for the things that, that matter most. We have no margin. We're so busy, we can't even take time to evaluate what it is that we need in our lives. And we're too busy to build the life-changing, significant relationships that we desperately need. I'm gonna date myself here, but one of my favorite shows growing up was Cheers. Anybody remember Cheers. I mean, you have to be at least 30 years old, I think, to, to remember Cheers. But uh, Cheers was basically, it was this guy that owned a bar. He didn't drink. He was a, a former Red Sox pitcher named Sam Malone. And, and, and the story is about him and, and some of the, his employees and some others that were just regulars at the bar. And they became family. They did life together. They loved each other. It was a safe place for them. It's really the basis of any good television show, right? From Seinfeld to, uh, to Friends to The Office to, to Big Bang. It's, it's, it's people, it's friends that are, are so close that they feel like family together. But do you remember the theme song from Cheers? That's the thing that stood out to me the most. That's what I remember. I remember the, do, do you remember it? It, it, went, it went like this. <clears throat> I'm not gonna sing it. I'm not gonna sing it. Because if I had any friends left in this room, I, I wouldn't afterwards. But I, I'm gonna read it to you. Here was the lyrics. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away, right? Like, yes. Sometimes you wanna go where everyone knows your name and they're always glad you came. You wanna be where you can see that our troubles are all the same. You wanna be where everybody knows your name. See, Jesus modeled this kind of life for us. Luke 19, verse one says this. Jesus entered Jericho. And he made his way through the town and there was a a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in, in great excitement and joy. But the people, the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor Lord. And and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. I love this story. This, This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And if you've been around church for a while, right? You've heard this story before. If you've been around for a long, long time, you remember the song that goes with it, right? About a wee little man. It's not a Scottish song, it's, that's, it's about Zacchaeus. If you're new to this whole church thing, you're new to the Bible, this story is, is kinda, it's kinda like the movie Inception, right? Where there's a dream within a dream. There's actually, there's a story within, within this story. See, it's not just a story about a, a short, rich guy. It's actually a story about a guy who is alone and lost. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. So let me just put it this way. If you had 10 peanut M&Ms, because that will be the currency in heaven. I just want you to know that. It's in the Bible somewhere. It's in Hebrew, I think. But that will be how we spend money in heaven. If you had 10 peanut M&Ms, and the tax collector comes by and, and he says, hey, uh, there's two that you have to give um, to, the, to, to the government. But the tax collector comes by and he says, I need six peanut M&Ms 2 go to the government, four that you get to keep. But, but the tax collector, he would pocket for himself. The result, right, is that tax collectors, they, they, were, hated, they were hated by everyone. And Zacchaeus is the leader of these most hated people, right? His friends were, were hated by everyone else. In fact, the only reason they stuck around is, is because he would pick up the tab at Ray's every once in a while, right? That's, that's the only reason they hung out with him. The result is that he was surrounded by people. I mean, he had incredible wealth, but he was completely alone and he was totally, totally lost. Now, if you're new to this whole Jesus thing, it's important to understand this, Jesus loved people. Jesus still loves He went after people who were alone. He went after the people who were lost. See, at the end of this story, Zacchaeus' life is is changed by Jesus. It says that he believed in in who Jesus was. Zacchaeus, on his own, said, I'm going to give half of my money back and and away to the poor, which is good because he made most of them that way, right? And then he said, for those that I ripped off on their taxes, I'm going to pay them back four times as much. Zacchaeus was changed by a relationship. He went from being alone and lost to being someone who was connected, someone who found significance, who found purpose, who, who was finally known. And I'm convinced that if we love people the way Jesus loved Zacchaeus, that we're gonna see God do the exact same thing, and we're gonna see God do some amazing things in our life as a result. So how do we love others the way that Jesus loved Zacchaeus? Let me give you a few things. Here's the first, is that we need to go out of our way to build relationships. We need to look for people in our lives that that are in need. And, And here's the good news for you, that's not hard because every single one of us has needs in our lives. You do not have to go very far. You do not have to look very far to find people in need. And we need to go out of our way to start relationships with them. Look at verse one again. Jesus entered into Jericho and he made his way through the town let me give you just a little bit of context here of what's happening. Jesus is on his final way to Jerusalem uh, from Galilee to eventually go and to die on the cross for you and and for me to take our sins on himself. But the interesting thing is that when you take a look at at the map of Jesus' journey, that he actually went out of his way, like 40 to to 75 miles, depending on which way he went, out of his way to go to, to Jericho. You gotta remember, they're walking, right? There's no like Uber camel to call or or anything like that. This would have been an extra week of walking just to simply pass through Jericho. So Jesus went this way on on purpose. He didn't care about the extra miles. He didn't care about the extra blisters that, that he picked up. He was going to see someone who was alone, someone who was in need, someone who was in trouble. And I'm convinced that God calls us to do exact same thing. See, building relationships, it's one of the, if, if it's not the most important thing that we will ever do in our time here on this earth. Let me ask you two questions. Who's your Zacchaeus? Who's that person at, at work? Maybe it's at school, maybe it's in your neighborhood, on your team, at the gym that you work out with. Who is, who is that person in your life that, that's in need? Second question is this, how can you go out of your way to start a friendship with them. See, that's how we, that's how we started, is we gotta, we gotta go out of our way to build friendships. Here's the second way that we love others, the way that Jesus loved Zacchaeus, is that we really, really get to know people. See, every single one of us, we have this need inside of us to be known. Jesus knew that. That's why he called him out by name. I mean, as Jesus is walking through Jericho, right? Zacchaeus is trying to see him, but he's too short to be able to see over top of the crowd. And he was too hated by everyone to be able to kind of sneak his way and pass through the crowd. No one was letting him in. And so he had to run ahead and he went and he climbed a tree simply so that he could see. Or maybe, maybe it was so that he could be seen. Look at verse five. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. See, when others had called out to Zacchaeus, they used all kinds of creative names for him. But when Jesus called out to Zacchaeus, he called out by his actual name. And I have to wonder, right, I wonder how long it had been since Zacchaeus had actually heard his name. You ever been in a crowd? I mean, there's side conversations, right? There's all kinds of background noise, there's stuff going on, but someone calls your name and, and you hear it, right? It, it cuts through. All of the other noise kind of disappears. It, it's amazing how we can hear our name in a crowd. You ever been chosen for something, right? Maybe for a, a kickball team when, when you were a kid, or, or, or maybe, maybe you heard the coach as he was reading the roster and you made the team, or maybe it was for a special project or a special assignment at work and, and you were asked to be on that task force. Do you remember the first time that that boy or that girl said your name? Maybe it was that awkward middle school dance, right? Where you were doing an incredible job of holding that wall up, because that was, that was your job, right? Just to, I'm just gonna hold up this wall. And then, then they showed up and stood in front of you and they said your name and they asked you to dance. Do you remember that? If it happened, you do if, if it didn't, I'm sorry that, that it didn't happen to you, but hopefully later it, it did. Last Christmas, last Christmas we were uh, we were at South Point, and we were uh, we were hanging out um, as a family and, and my family wanted wanted Starbucks. I don't drink coffee, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go in and, and get Starbucks, and this was pre COVID right and so the place was packed. It was like the worst part of Disney in, in this little this little box, and it's just like lines of people and and once you've placed your order, right like it, there's just this anticipation, you stand there waiting Every time they put a sleeve on a cup or a straw into the top of it, right? Everyone kind of quiets down just a little bit. Why? Because you're waiting to hear what? Your name. There's a 99% chance that they spelt it wrong on the cup, but you don't even care about that, right? You just desperately wanna hear your name. wonder what it was like when Zacchaeus heard his name. They say that the sweetest sound to to a human being's ears is the sound of his or her own name. There's some science and and psychology that goes along with calling someone's name. That when we hear our name, our brain actually registers, right, that, that someone needs our attention. When we hear our name, it communicates to us that we are wanted and that we belong somewhere. I'll give you two observations. Here's the first. Jesus knows our name. Jesus knows your name. Second is this, is he is calling out to you Because every one of us needs to be known. Let me ask you this question. How well do you know your people? I mean, hopefully you know their name, right? But do you know more than their name? Do you know their story? Do you know their dreams? Do you know their goals? Do you know the, the passions of their heart? Do you also know their struggles? Do you know their fears? Do you know the secrets? Let me ask you this question. How well do they know you? Have you let them in to see the parts that you've kept hidden that you've kept in the dark, that you've tried to just deal with on your own. Here's the third way, that we love others the way that Jesus loved Zacchaeus. So we do life together. So we all, we all need to belong somewhere. Look at verse five again. It says that when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Jesus tells, tells Zacchaeus, get, right, get out of that tree, right? I'm, I'm coming over to your place. I love this. Clearly Jesus didn't grow up in the South, right? Because in the South, that, that's just not good etiquette. You don't invite yourself over to, to someone else's house. I also think this may be one of the greatest pickup lines of, of all times, right? Guys, I, I dare you to use this with that girl that you've had your eye on, all right? To walk up to her and said, hey, date night, your place and you're cooking. I dare you to do that, Right? There's a 95% chance you're either gonna get slapped or tased, but, but whatever happens, right, it's gonna be memorable. Uh, depending on how much voltage she uses, you might not remember all of it, right? But, but I still think that's, a, I think it's a great line. I love Zacchaeus' response. He, he's so pumped about, about Jesus asking him to come over. He jumped down out of that tree and he takes Jesus over. There was no, Jesus, let me go and clean up a little bit. I gotta, I gotta defrost some chicken or something, right? Like, like, Jesus, just give me a few minutes. He just takes Jesus right in. Now, it probably makes more sense for us to invite people to our place instead of, instead of inviting people uh, or inviting ourselves into theirs. Maybe it's inviting them out for a cup of coffee, maybe to the driving range. What if you invited someone to Hope, to watch it online with you or, or to come to one of our in-person services? If you're a high school student, invite, invite some of your friends to come to HSM one night or if you're a college student, to invite them to one of our college worship nights. See, life change happens when we invite others in. I know this because it's what happened to me. So I'm in a small group with a group of guys where, where I can just be me. I don't have to pretend that we, we often invoke this thing called the, the cone of silence. And, uh, um, and that means that anything that I'm about to say, right, it, it stays here and, and it's protected and guarded. There are some times where guys, they share their, their secrets and their stuff, and then they go, oh, that's covered under the cone, right? At which point we're like, no, that broke the rules. We're sharing that with everybody, right? We're a very mean small group, but it, it's fantastic. It's perfect, it's perfect for me. Everyone needs to be known. Everyone needs a place to belong. We've created something here at Hope to to help you with that. It's called a growth challenge. And here's what it is. It's a 30-day journey to help you grow in mind and body and, and, and spirit, right, that you just do with a friend or two. Very simple, two simple steps, right? As you you, you reach out and ask a friend or two to join you in doing this, and then you text the word challenge to 74121, and and we'll send you back all of the information, right, for you to sign up. And it's just 30 days of of spending time together, praying for each other, uh, maybe spending time in God's word together, of, of setting some goals, some health goals, whatever that may be together. We have to be intentional to build community. And we can't worry about what anyone else thinks about us. And when you, when you look at this story, right, the, the people around Jesus, they lost their minds that, that Jesus would go over to Zacchaeus house. Look at verse seven. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. See, Jesus' mission wasn't to be popular with crowds. He was an influencer before there were influencers, right? But he didn't care about how many followers he had. What mattered most to Jesus was helping lost and lonely people find hope. Helping them find community, to be known and to belong. In fact, this is what he said in verse 10. He said, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I often wonder what would have happened if Jesus had taken the, the convenient route. What would have happened if, if Jesus had just kind of kept walking by that tree, maybe throwing up like a little head nod, right? But, but didn't call Zacchaeus by name? What if, what if Jesus had just kind of kept it on the superficial level? What if Jesus was, was afraid of what people would think or what people would say about him? See, I think the story of Zacchaeus, it wouldn't exist. Zacchaeus more than likely would have died all by himself, alone, without hope. We all need community. It requires us, though, to go out of our way do things that sometimes are difficult, sometimes are hard, takes us out of our comfort zone so that we can know people, not just know their names, but beyond that to know their story. But it also means that we need to allow ourselves to be known as well, that we need to be real with others. And then we do life together. Can I show you one quick passage of what this can look like in, in our lives? In fact, we're gonna pick up here next week as we close out this series. It's in Acts chapter two. This is the very first gathering of the very first church, right? This is the, the beginning of, of Christianity. And we're gonna see this, this community, right? That they're doing life together. They modeled this from the very, very beginning. These are the ones who knew Jesus, the ones that, that followed Jesus. And this is, this is what our lives should look like. And I want you to listen to this. I want you to, as you're reading it on the screens, I want you to look for the they's and the all's and the togethers in this. Acts two forty two. they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, that's that's something we all want. Every single one of us wants to be a part of that kind of community. That's, That's what the church should be about. See, it's not that they didn't have issues. It's not that they didn't have struggles. It's not that there weren't needs. In fact, it says that there were. They sold their possessions. They sold their property to meet the needs of the people around them. They faced these issues together. They did life together. They found hope together. So here's the bottom line. Community is where we experience hope, right? The hope that Chase talked about last week, community is where we experience it. And the next week we're gonna talk about that the church is where we where we express hope. On Monday, I went to a, a funeral for a former student when I was the, the high school pastor here at Hope. He was 28 years old, struggled with an addiction for years. And on Christmas day, unfortunately, he lost. He lost to his addiction. I was heartbroken when I heard the news. I mean, he used to be at our house weekly for small groups. He was Ty's favorite, not babysitter because Ty was too old for a babysitter. He was his, his favorite hanging dude, right? Can, can he come and hang with me tonight? once he, he and another student, they drove around and, and collected all of the thrown out um, Christmas trees at, in, in Preston um, after Christmas. At least they went to the, the nice neighborhood. Um, but they went and they collected for like a week or two, collected all of these Christmas trees, and they took them back to their place, and they, they drilled out the, the center of the trunk and put PVC pipe in it. And one night at two in the morning, they came and they planted all of these Christmas trees on our front lawn and, and turned our house into a Christmas tree farm of dead trees, right? Our, our neighbors hated us and why we had to move uh, so so often. Regularly, I would ask him, how are you doing? Every time he answered me, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. He used the same words, but the way that he said it to me always told me the truth. And when I knew that he was lying, I would say to him, you know I love you, right? And you know you're not alone. When I heard the news, I wondered if he had ever let anyone in. And I regretted not pushing my way into his life more. That's something I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to live with that. Guys, we all need community. More than that, we need to be known. Jesus knows your name. He went out of his way to reach out to each and every one of us. Some of us need to go, and we need to climb a tree. We need to make ourselves be seen by others. We all need to go out of our way to get beyond just knowing names, but to really know stories, know the hurts and the passions and the dreams. We need to get to a place where we are doing life it's what God created us to do. And it's where we'll find the greatest joy and happiness in our lives. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, our nation is, is fractured. And it's so divided right now. God, isolation and, and loneliness and fear and lostness is, is probably, it's is stronger now than any time I can ever remember in, in my lifetime. Father, I just pray right now for healing. God, I pray for wisdom. I pray for peace, for for the leaders of our nation, for individuals that are are wrestling through different emotions and and feelings and just the stuff that that we're dealing with in in our country and in our lives. God, would you remind us today that you went out of our way for us, Jesus, you loved us so much that you gave up your rights, your privileges as God to become like us. We just celebrated that a couple weeks ago. And in becoming like us, you taught and you modeled a life of what it looks like to be in relationship with our father and what it was like to be in relationship with others. And through your death and through your resurrection, you provided forgiveness for our sins and you provided the opportunity for us to be reconciled back in a relationship with God. Father, if there's any of us watching online here tonight, God, that, that's what we need. We recognize the need for a savior. I've been trying to do it all by myself and it just doesn't work. And I'm exhausted and I'm broken and I'm lonely and I am lost. If that's you tonight, if that's you today, Just and just in the quiet of your heart, would you just pray this, Jesus I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are God. I believe that through your death and through your resurrection, that you provided hope, that you provided forgiveness, and that I can be restored in my relationship with God. Jesus, I choose to put my trust and my faith in you and to the best of my abilities, I will try to follow you every day of my life. If you prayed that prayer, nothing in your life will be the same. Because you've got a God that knows your name and went out of his way for a relationship with you. Jesus, thank you that you know our names, you know our stories, you know the mess of our lives, and yet you still choose to love us. God, would you help us to go after others? God, would you help us to know them and to be known ourselves? God, would you help us to be like this church in in Acts chapter two, that we will do whatever it takes to love others the way that you love us. God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your perfect love in our lives. And it's in your perfect name we pray. Amen.